Welcome to episode 249 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for listening again this week. There's a lot of discussion today about how social media is harming our mental health, and many experts advise taking a break from it or even unplugging entirely. But what do you do if that's just not possible? This week's guest is here to tell us. Erin Pickney is a Nashville-based therapist specializing in recovery from anxiety, depression, and religious trauma. She recognizes that while disconnecting entirely from social media isn't always possible, there are steps you can take to detox your social media to improve your mental and emotional health. Erin, welcome to Live Happy Now. Hi, thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you because online on our website and on the podcast, we've talked a lot about the different ways that we're affected uh, by our connectivity and how we can just disconnect from our devices. But your take is a little bit different because you are specifically talking about detoxing from social media. So as we get started, I guess a great starting point is to find out what do you mean by detox your social media? Well, so social media is really pervasive now. Almost everyone has at least one form, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and I'm sure there's a hundred others that I don't even know (laughs) because I'm old. (laughs) And so we all have these kind of constant connections with people. And sometimes it's not realistic to actually get rid of it. Like, I think that's sort of the thing that most people say is, oh, social media feels really toxic for me, so I'm just going to cut it out completely. Well, what if you work in a situation where you actually have to have a personal social media account because you have a business account? And so you have to be able to operate your business account, and you need a personal account to do that. It's not so easy to just shut that off. I'm glad you bring that up because we recently had a guest who had that exact experience and hers, she had written a book about the joy of missing out. And she did kind of have that conflict because she's a writer. She has to be on social media, yet she's trying to disengage from it to prove the points of her book. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I post all of my blog posts on social media, including the one about how you detox your social media. (laughs) There are plenty of times where that feels really strange, um, but it's, it's also necessary. And I think too, A lot of us have connections with family or friends that we don't want to lose. And social media is our way to do that. You know, I can see my friends, kids growing up all over the world. And I couldn't do that if I didn't have social media without having to burden them with like, oh, please send me pictures via email or the mail when they're already sharing them with everyone else in social media. Right. Um, And if you did ask them that, they would say, well, go to my Facebook page or go to my Instagram and they're right there. Exactly. And then there's also the professional connection. You know, as a therapist, I belong to a lot of therapist groups that have been really helpful to me, both in learning how to build my practice, but also in things like, hey, I'm really interested in maybe getting this training. It's a huge investment. I'd love some feedback from people who have done it about whether or not it was worth it. And that lets me do that. If I don't have an account, I can't do that. And so totally cutting off social media doesn't work for everybody. And therefore, we have to learn how to make our interaction with it healthier. And what does it do when we're interacting with social media constantly? What are some of the negative repercussions that you see both in your own life and as a practitioner? I mean, I think the biggest one is that no one is posting on social media like their bad hair day pictures or like, (laughs) you know, today was a mediocre day. It's either these really great things that, you know, look at my perfectly filtered and what do they call them now? Presets uh, on my photos on Instagram and, and look at my family in this exactly picture perfect moment. Or it's like everything is horrible and awful and the world is ending. 
and there's not a whole lot in between. And so when that's what we're consuming constantly, you're either comparing yourself to something that isn't real, or you're bombarded with things that feel really depressing and awful. And so that can really spike some serious anxiety and depression in people, even people who otherwise are relatively healthy and doing well. Because what you're looking at is either a false vision of what it should be or the worst possible outcomes for everything. Right. And, you know, I know I was on my Facebook page this morning and obviously it's a political time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we talked about that a lot. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I just want to find out what certain people are doing. I don't want all the opinions. I don't want to hear how bad every candidate is and how bad our presidency is. I just want 10 minutes of puppies or something. Exactly. Yes. The cute dog and cat pictures. I'd love to see your children doing something cute. I don't want to hear about all the ways in which every famous person has done something horrible. (laughs) We also have access through social media to every tragedy that happens. And that can be really heavy. You know, we used to not know every time there was some accident or, you know, everything that happened in a war. And now it's constant bombardment. I know about my friend's cousin's best friend who was killed in a car accident in Idaho. Right. And you know the details of it. Exactly. And that brings those things home to us in a way that we didn't have before because it's like, oh, I know somebody who knows this person. And so that feels much more real. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, when you're constantly exposed to tragedy, it just adds up. What does that do to us emotionally? When Do we start seeing the world differently if it's a constant exposure to negative things like that? I think you can. Yeah. Not everyone does, but I think a lot of us start to develop fears around, oh my gosh, like all of these people have died in these car accidents recently. What's going on? Obviously, we're watching the coronavirus situation unfold and people are developing really severe fear of going into public. You know, and there's not been any cases where I live, but yet I know people who are freaked out about going anywhere. That's a really serious thing that normally would not have been an issue before. Yeah, it does seem to be rewiring us a lot. And that's why I was really happy that you gave good, actionable advice about how we can kind of distance ourselves from some of these influences. And I wondered if we can just kind of go through, you gave four great ways to do it. And I wondered if we can kind of go through each one. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first one I recommend everyone start with is quit following the influencers. This is a whole brand new brand of fame, right? So now we've got YouTubers and Instagram famous people and people who have these lifestyle brands and their whole brand is showing you all of these picture perfect moments. They are perfectly fashionable, perfectly fit. They eat what they want. They hang out with their friends and they have the perfect (laughs) life. And none of that's real. It is very specifically curated to make you think that that's what it is. And they have hundreds of thousands of followers. And most of those followers are looking at it going, man, That's what life is supposed to be like, and I don't have that. So then you start feeling bad about your own life. But those people don't know you from Adam. So you can unfollow them in a split second, and they won't even know. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's a famous dog that lives in Nashville that has a huge (laughs) following, has written a couple of books. I think they were ghostwritten. And I was... Maybe, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was talking to his person because you think, well, you know, they do like two or three posts a day, and that is her full-time job. It's not uh, yeah. his little life is not just as glamorous as you or as easy as you think. They, they talked about the hours that it takes to get like a single photo. Yeah. 
So. I mean, I have, I try to take pictures of my cats and like, they're just completely uncooperative. And so <laughs> they're, cats. they're in their cats. <laughs> I know they have their own life and they are in charge, but you know, it's sort of this thing that people think are like, Oh, I should get every cute moment of my pet should be not only captured perfectly in a photograph, but shared with all of my friends. And while like, I love looking at everyone's dog, I love looking at little Josie, I don't need to see the picture perfect moments because then you start going, well, why doesn't my pet do that? How come (laughs) I can't get those pictures, right? And you're like, well, because my cat's a jerk. And that's why. (laughs) I need a new cat. (laughs) Exactly. You start going, well, like, is there something wrong with my cat? And then I remember like, oh, no, they're just cats. Um, But yeah. So losing the influencers is going to have a positive influence on us. Yes. And I would also say even beyond influencers and Insta-famous people, actual famous people, oftentimes some political people, candidates for things, we can be really tempted to follow their campaigns, to see what they're doing. But sometimes that's really toxic too, because you're not just looking at those people. You're also looking at all the people commenting and man, those things get really toxic really fast. Right. And that'll punch some buttons one way or another real quickly. Absolutely. As a general rule, one should never look at comments. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just get rid of those right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> What's our second tip for detoxifying our social media? So I think the second step is identifying who are the people that you are connected to, probably personally, who are negative for you. It doesn't mean they're negative people or bad people, but it might mean that they post things that make you want to scream. Like, I think we all have that person that you're like, why did you just say that? Why would you do that? That's hurtful to me. That's hurtful to the planet. That's whatever it may be. And so we tend to get stuck in like, well, I can't unfriend them. I can't unfollow them because they'll know these are my real life family or friends. But all of the major social media platforms have methods to hide or mute people now. You can actually like just on Facebook, unfollowing doesn't unfriend. And then you can mute them on Instagram. And I forget what it's called on Snapchat because I'm not a big Snapchatter. And by that, I mean, (laughs) I don't do it at all. (laughs) But I know that there are ways to do it so that like you don't have to unfriend them. It's not saying, nope, I'm cutting you off. It's just like, I'm not going to see what you're doing. And if I know it's your birthday, I can still go to your page. I can still wish you a happy birthday. I can send you a message. But I don't actually have to see all the things that are being posted constantly. Right. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I did, I've got a couple of those in my life mm-hmm. and who are relatives. And so I've muted them, but I will go probably once a week, maybe once every two weeks. And I'll just scroll really quickly through their feed. I'm looking for anything significant that I might've missed that I should say, Hey, congratulations or sorry about that. But I do not stop and read. It's just yeah. like quick flip through so that They don't realize that I'm not interacting (laughs) with their posts on a daily basis. But yeah, so there's still a little connection without stepping in it. Yes, absolutely. And even that, like there are some people that you might not even need to do that with. Like, you know, your (laughs) uncle who lives in California, who has very different political views from you. And the only thing they ever post are things that make you feel personally attacked. You don't even have to go look at their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which leads us to that next one of your next point of unfriending or unfollowing the people that you don't want. Yes. So this one can feel a lot scarier because when we do that, it doesn't necessarily send somebody a notification that like, hey, Aaron just unfriended you. 
But they notice fairly quickly if they go to look for you that you're no longer there. And what's even worse is if they know you're no longer there, but then they see you posting on someone else's account, so they know you didn't just get off of Facebook, they know that you actually unfriended them. But we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but we also don't need to maintain contact with people we don't want in our lives. There are some people, you might have a friend from college who you've kept around because it's like, well, we were good friends in college and things were great. It's been 20 years since I had a conversation (laughs) with that person. I don't need them in my life. I'm not going to suddenly have a desire to reconnect with them. And everything I see about them on social media tells me that that is not a relationship I need. Get rid of it. Like, we don't have to have that. We have this idea of like, well, once they're in, you just have to keep them. No, you don't. You can just get rid of them. And you can even block them. Like, sometimes that's a really important thing because if you ever have somebody who's truly toxic and, like, sort of aggressive about it, like, blocking them cuts them off. They can't message you. They can't see anything. They can't do any of that. They can't see when you comment on mutual friends posts. So that can be really helpful. And Instagram has actually created another process, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but basically where you can block someone and that you don't see anything they see or say, or anything else, but they still see you. And so it's really effective for teenagers or middle schoolers who are in a bullying situation, because sometimes blocking can actually make that worse. And so if that person doesn't know that you're not seeing any of that stuff, they can just go do all of the things, and you have no contact with it. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, it's a new one. That's that's pretty awesome. And I've, I cannot remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but it's out there. It is but out. it's out there. So so these are great tips. And you've got one more way that we can detox our social media. Yes. So limiting how much and what you post is really important, partially because it doesn't give people the opportunity to come in and argue with you. There's nothing worse than posting what seemed like a funny meme or something, and then someone comes in and just blasts you for it, and you're like, well, okay, I just am going to take that down now and feel pretty (laughs) bad about myself. You know, (laughs) like, that's not how you want to do it. Or posting things like, oh, I'm out to dinner with friends, and then another friend is like, well, how come you didn't invite me? Oh, man. (laughs) You know? So, like, you don't need to have all of those things up there because depending on who's in your circle and social media and what kind of day they're having, there may be people who have things to say about what you've posted that to you seem utterly ridiculous, but still hurt your feelings. I think remembering that other people are seeing the same things you are. So all of these picture perfect things that are getting put up there, if you're one of those people who's only posting the picture perfect moments, all of your friends are going, oh man, there they are again with their perfect life. Meanwhile, you're like, my life is like a mess right now. Things are crazy, <laughs> but this looks good. Like, like I wasn't even wearing pants in that photo. I know, right? Like I looked great <laughs> from like the waist up, but just don't see what's below it because that was flannel, you know? <laughs> but it's also okay to post like real stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be like hysterical, like this really funny thing. And it doesn't have to be like, I looked absolutely perfect in that picture. It's sort of like I was out with my friends and it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, being a presence in somebody else's feed, if you choose to be, that is a more normal representation of the real world is not a bad thing. You know, I I think particularly for parents of young children, babies, I have a lot of friends who are kind of in that stage of life where their kids are pretty young and life is super chaotic for them. And what they say over and over again is everybody else looks like everything is perfect and taking care of a toddler is really easy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And if I step on one more Lego, I'm actually going to lose it, (laughs) you know? And so like being the one who posts, yep, this is my living room and I haven't cleaned it up perfectly because there are 
Legos and toys and things everywhere. And, you know, my kids hanging off the couch upside down with food on their face and that's real life and that's okay. Yeah. Because I think people crave that whole real life experience when we are online. We do want to see some normalcy. We don't want it all to be perfect. And we have a friend here in Nashville. (laughs) She posts about her kids constantly. And I swear 90% of the time, one of them is having a temper tantrum. She posted when one of them got lost in Costco, which was pretty (laughs) hilarious. And so almost it's like she's taken what a lot of people would see as parenting fails Mm -hmm. and turned it into like this very relatable feed that actually has people that don't even know her now are following it because it's like, wow, I am not a train wreck of a parent like I thought I was. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really important for people to have other people that they're like, oh, okay. It's not just me. (laughs) And you're bringing up some really good points about the parent aspect, because when we started talking about this, of course, I'm talking from our standpoint as adults and how we're going to handle it. But you talked about there are teens who are being bullied on there. There are ways that parents can take the same approach with their children. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having a conversation with a middle schooler or teen who has social media about obviously the normal things like appropriate privacy settings and all of that, but also about how to choose who they allow into their social network online. And then if somebody gets in there and as often happens in middle school and high school, the the situation changes and that person's no longer healthy for them how to use these steps to limit their interaction. That feature I talked about on Instagram is a really helpful thing for kids who are being bullied because it doesn't make the situation worse, but it also cuts them out of it a little bit so that they aren't having to deal with it. It's a really difficult time of life where you're trying to figure out who you are and when you have people constantly coming in and attacking you, or even if they're not attacking you, but they're just like giving you feedback that's like, ooh, why would you do that? (laughs) That doesn't feel good. And especially at a really vulnerable time in your development. And so as a parent, being able to talk with your child about like, you don't actually have to see these people on social media. Here are the ways that you can hide them. This is how you mute them on Instagram. This is how you put somebody where they can still see you and interact, but you don't see anything that they're posting on your stuff. And that way it doesn't feel as bad. And it's also perfectly okay to talk with kids about like, you don't have to do social media. Everybody thinks it's like a thing you have to do, but you you don't actually. You could be that kid who's just not interested. You could post things that are like, maybe you're into art, so you're going to post art. Maybe you like music and you're going to post some music, but you don't have to be posting about yourself and your life if that's not something that you want everybody to see. And how do you teach kids to identify what's toxic and what's not when we as adults are having trouble doing that very thing? Fair. I think... The best way is to start teaching them how to notice their own feelings. We all have a physical sensation that comes with our emotions. And so I know that if I see some post on Facebook and I have this literal gut reaction of just like my stomach tightens up and I sort of, my breathing changes, that I'm like, oh, that's probably not good for me and I should probably hide that. And so being able to help kids understand what those physical reactions are and getting them really in touch with that is important, not just in social media, but in life in general. Yeah, those are great points. And as people are doing this, uh, now we're going to tell them how they can get to your website and they can read that original blog mm-hmm. post and check back to make sure that, you know, because sometimes we forget, oh, what am I supposed mm-hmm. to do? So yeah, um, they can check back and something they can also share with their teens mm-hmm. or tweens. But if they're having trouble limiting their time on social media and if they're having trouble doing some of these things, what would be your tips to debate them? 
So I think one of the best things is actually deleting the apps. So all of these things have apps that make it super easy. You tap it and boom, there you are. And so if you take the app off of your phone and you have to go through your browser to get to it, or your tablet or whatever it may be, if you have to go through the browser, it's more work and it's not as good a user experience. The other thing is if you don't save your username and passwords in the browser, it makes it harder to get there. And so when you have to take those extra steps, it just sort of feels like, okay, it's not really worth it. I'm trying to limit this for myself. And this is a place where I can recognize like, okay, I'm trying to do the thing I said I wasn't going to do. And so I'm going to back off of that. And some people do need to do like a short term total detox. I'm not going to get on any of these things at all for a week or a couple weeks or maybe a month. You don't necessarily have to go about the process of deactivating your accounts and doing all of that. You can just step away for a minute. Because when we sort of reset ourselves, like with anything, when we go back in and we can approach it with a healthier viewpoint and maybe go through these steps with what's there, you can kind of reset yourself and be able to engage with it in a more healthy manner. So this sounds like it's not a one-time solution. It's probably something you have to do periodically to check in and, and see like, oh, I've gotten back to overusing or I'm overposting or I'm overreading. Yes, absolutely. I recommend that people do that with major holidays. It's a good time to do it because usually you have a day off of work or a day off of school. And it's just sort of a good reminder of like, hey, let me check in. Do I feel like I've been using social media more than I want to be? Are there things in my social media that I don't feel good about? You know, something that I think people forget is that just because somebody is healthy for you right now doesn't mean that in four months or a year or five years that they may not be. Things change with us and things change with them that may make having them around on our social media not great at that point. And so sometimes you need to make a change because something about that has changed. And being able to check in regularly with yourself about how is this going? Are there people that the second I see their name, I go, oh, and then (laughs) taking a minute to actually kind of remove them from what you're seeing is usually a really good way to start. (laughs) Well, Erin, this is such great advice. And when I saw your blog post on this, you've got a great blog. We're going to tell people how to find it because you put some great stuff up there. But I knew this is something that our our listeners would really get a lot out of. So I appreciate you coming on, taking the time to talk about it. Of course. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Erin Pickney talking about how to detox your social media. To learn more about Erin, read her blog, or follow her on her very non-toxic social media, visit us at livehappynow.com and we'll tell you how. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on the Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Just look for us on your favorite platform and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.